This is All That Matters from CJSR. I'm Chris Changin Phillips. And I'm Paulina Volovodovsky. All That Matters tells stories about arts and culture. Each week, we try to take small bites out of a big question. Today, we're asking where can Canadians watch CanCon? This is not a new problem. There is this huge loud neighbor just south of our border who takes half our talent and shouts at us about its racist politicians and its real housewives. But as more and more of us move towards watching TV shows online, and as movie rental stores are closing down, it's even less obvious now how to get actual CanCon, films and TV shows made by Canadians. The CRTC regulates old media like radio and TV and requires them to invest a certain amount in Canadian content and play a minimum amount of CanCon too. Radio stations like CAGSR included. But online media isn't regulated in the same way. If you have a podcast, you don't have to play Canadian songs. Netflix doesn't have to stock up on Canadian TV shows. Well, on this week's show, we're going to talk to a couple of voices you've probably never never heard from on this issue. Someone who's helped create an online streaming service of thousands of Canadian films and TV shows, mostly available for free. And someone who actually makes a living marketing Canadian TV shows and getting them to Canadian eyeballs. First, though, we're talking to literally the last of a dying breed in Edmonton. Yep. In a world where digital media is so very prominent, a certain nostalgia arises as we remember the days of renting DVDs in a store. So I met Kevin Martin, owner of the last standing DVD rental shop in Edmonton, to find out how they've stuck around. It's called The Lobby. The Lobby connects people with similar interests and keeps Edmonton cult classic culture alive, even sparking other projects like local Edmonton film and film festivals like Deadfest. I asked Kevin which niche markets still benefit from the experience of renting and why this matters. The Lobby DVD Shop is the last video store in Edmonton, Canada. That is a fact. Um, I opened it up back in 2005 to try to offer people the more alternative and cult movies out there that aren't exactly the most Netflix or Hollywood friendly. Um, that also was my attempt to uh, get out of the bar industry once and for all. That totally failed. Still have to work at bars, keep my dream store going. But when it's a labor of love, it's not about the money. It's about being able to talk movies with your customers all day and track down the hardest to find the weirdest ones that are out there. So still living the dream. Uh, although when I opened up, there was about 20 video stores in the city. And now, like I said, I'm the last one. So it's, it's a bittersweet feeling. <laughs> Business is, it's, it's steady. There's a diehard group of people in the city that definitely support the shop, so keeps me going. Uh, luckily, my rent's been okay. I mean, my, it's not, not only is this a video store, but uh, and being below a daycare center, I, I think I'm the only one in the world who can claim that, so I'm cool with that. Uh, for the first eight years, the one half of my store was a jam space for the local band 10 Second Epic, who, like our buddies, and they broke up. I'm like, oh man, I need, I, need, I need somebody to help me out with rent. So now it's actually a full recording studio for bands on the other side of uh, the wall over there. So we split the rent 50-50, so it's a video store and a recording studio for bands, which is hilarious because when the musicians walk in, they've never been here, they are confused. They're like, uh, is this a recording studio? I'm like, yeah, yeah, just knock on the zombie poster over there. They'll let you in. It's fine. Could you tell me something about Deadfest? Yeah, sure. Uh, Deadfest is a film festival. We started in 2007. Uh, a couple of uh, regulars that were coming in here, we decided, hey, let's... Let's bring these movies that are in your store to the big screen. Let's see people in Edmonton are into them. And it makes you realize how many people are into these movies. And it just started off as like a one-day film festival. And now we've grown it that it's a yearly, week-long film festival. And it's 
really cool getting a chance to bring in these movies that play in cities like Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, or down in the U.S. that would never come to Edmonton. We get to screen them, and if we have the money, we get flying the directors. And um, yeah, it's like a week-long gathering of like genre fans, like horror movies, action movies, Asian cinema. Um, and it brings everybody together. And I always tell people, like, oh, Kev, I want to go, but I got nobody to go with. I'm like, dude, if you're into these movies, you're going to meet so many people that are also into these movies. It's like going to a house party where you don't know anybody, except this house party, everybody's into the same thing. So it's not hard to start a conversation up. And, like, we've had some, like, diehard regulars that, like, I'd say a group of, like, 30 or 40 people that go every year. They take that week off, and they sit through all, like, 20 movies we play. Like, I can't even sit through all 20, you know. I'm just there to make sure everybody has a good time and make sure their beers aren't empty, you know. But, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's every October. If people are, you know, interested in something like that, you can just Google us. And just for the record, it's Dead Fest, but it's spelled D-E-D. So, yeah, that's Dead Fest. And then there's also a monthly thing? Yeah, we do a monthly screening as well. It's every second Friday. It's, it's every second... Friday of the month uh, at the Garneau Theater, and uh, again, it's 18 or over, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, we try to keep people updated what we're going to show. Again, just look for us on Facebook or just Google us. I think we got a website. Yeah, we're, we're tech-savvy that way. There's something out there. Do you carry any Canadian movies, or are you into Canadian? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm more into Canadian horror or sci-fi or out there movies but absolutely there, there's a lot of great Canadian artists coming up we some of our best guests have been uh, Canadian guests um, there's a, a great uh, film group from uh, Winnipeg originally called Astron 6 and we've screened one two three of their movies at our film festival over the years um, they've done movies like Father's Day Manborg and the other awesome guys and more recently some some personal good friends of uh, us that are from Montreal um, uh, they made a movie called Turbo Kid uh, which is produced by Jason Eisner, who did Hobo with a Shotgun, another great Canadian movie from the Maritimes. So, yeah, there's there's like some serious talent going on. Then there's got the Soska sisters in uh, Vancouver who made American Mary. And, um, you know, the other cats that made Ginger Snaps. Like, oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of Canadian goodness. And, uh, you know, I mean, it all started with guys like David Cronenberg, who's like, you know, one of our national heroes, or at least he should be, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, like, local Edmonton movies? Do you know about anything going yeah, on? Yeah, that? well, that's the other thing I didn't mention to you. Aside from having the store and running a film festival, uh, I, along with uh, some great cats that I met, again, through the store, through the film festival, I uh, started acting for these guys, uh, a production company called House of Heathens, and we did a series of short films based on the video store. And I started off as kind of a goofy, fun thing to do. And then one of the, the shorts we made called The Last Video Store, where I basically play a grumpier version of myself who's given up hope on humanity. Um, that one got picked up and for Montreal's festival. So we flew down there and did really well. And then uh, our shorts been shown all over America and uh, Europe, which led to TELUS giving us a pile of money to do a web series called Straight to Video B-Movie Odyssey, which you can watch on YouTube and Air Canada Flights now, where I, again, play a weirder version of myself that gets sucked into the very movies that I deal with in my store and I have to use my movie knowledge to jump from one movie to another. So, yeah, I, in a weird way, I'm pretty... And, and But forgetting all that, there is a lot of great local talent in the city, too. And we try to do our best to um, help promote uh, like some of the local short films being made um, by hopefully being able to show them at our film festival as well in between uh, some of the feature movies. Mm-hmm. So where else can you find like these movies, like the one that you were talking about that you were in, or? Oh well, yeah, the shorts. I mean, thank God for the internet. Ironically, even though I have a video store, this is all about the internet right now. Um, 
But uh, yeah, if, if you want to see some of the silly stuff we've made, uh, you can literally YouTube. Just type in our original, like, few shorts were called Tales from the Lobby, named after my store, or The Last Video Store, which was our award-winning short film. It's like 10 minutes long. And the actual web series is called Straight to Video, a B-Movie Odyssey. Um, you can, all of them are for free. On If you got Telus TV, you can watch them there. Or YouTube, you can watch them there. Um, yeah, thank God for the internet, man. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. So you think that, do you think it's really good access, like really easy access, or do you think it could be better, like with local Edmonton and Canadian movies? Uh, it, oh, anything could be better, I suppose. Um, you know, it, uh, it, it'd be great if there's more money being thrown around this city to help some of the local guys out. There's a lot of talent here, but um, as far as what's being made now, I mean, even the Garneau Theater, once a month they have their, uh, or once every couple months, the Metro Shorts, which showcases all local stuff, and they judge them and everything. It's like some weird, like, American Idol kind of thing going on on stage, and, um, you know, they pick a winner and uh, get a few bucks or some uh, free uh, rental equipment from Fava Films uh, to kind of, you know, keep pushing people in the right direction. Um, but everything could always be improved but uh, you know they're doing the best they can I mean we got all our stuff out there basically word of mouth and again you know like I guess I feel so weird promoting like yeah the internet it's all about the internet but in a video store but when it comes to that kind of stuff it's your best way of getting it out there as long as you're not planning on making a lot of money you're fine you gotta do it for the love <laughs> any final thoughts if you love movies and you love supporting independent cinema and independent businesses, come visit me at the Lobby DVD shop on White Ave and 108th Street. I'm usually here. If I'm not, I'm well, probably having a beer. But anyways. The flexible hours. Very right? flexible hours, yeah. Very sometime during the afternoon is a good time. Alright, awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for popping by. Yeah. Special thanks to Kevin Martin for enlightening us on Edmonton's underground film culture and how to access it. Check out The Lobby if you're interested in horror and thriller films from Canada and all over the world. You're listening to All That Matters from CJSR, stories about arts and culture. I'm Chris Chang and Phillips. And I'm Paulina Volovodovsky. And today we're asking, where can Canadians watch CanCon? So, Paulina, I guess what I take away from that conversation with Kevin at the lobby is that it's managed to stick around because it serves this really tiny niche market. Yeah, I guess it's definitely for a certain type of person who's interested in those hard-to-find movies or likes the whole underground scene, for sure. Yeah, with a lot of gore and pins and faces. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the store is actually really cool, so you should everybody should definitely check it out. Nice. Um... So in terms of stores and theaters in Edmonton, what kind of viewers do you think are not getting served right now? Well, I think definitely people who are in, into hard-to-find movies, there's still a market for them in Edmonton. But I guess if you're looking for more classic films or if you were interested in movies that they had at the movie studio, you might be out of luck. It might be kind of harder for you to find um, rentals these days. Hmm. So, like, the boring, average, like, date night movies, kind of, maybe? Yeah, so I guess you'll have to stick to Netflix for those. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, it's nice sometimes to rent a movie or to see it in theaters, but um, lots of us want to watch it online, right? Like, I watch way more stuff online than anywhere else. So where do you even find Canadian movies online? 
I wondered the same thing. And it turns out one of the biggest streaming services offering Canadian movies is made by the same folks who used to provide film reels that your teacher would drag into your classroom to play you classics like this. She'll say I'm not sure that it's business of yours, but I do like to waltz with the log driver for he goes do you remember that cartoon? I don't. It's the Log Driver's Waltz by the National Film Board. I remember the, this cartoon so vividly when I was a kid. And it was on TV all the time, too. Um, so the National Film Board, you know, is our uh, public film producer and distributor in Canada. And they have a website now, it turns out, with over 2,000 of their works. It's called nfb.ca. And I asked NFB's director of digital marketing, Mathieu Streliski, what's on the site and why they made their own streaming service. So I'm uh, Mathieu Stroliski, I'm a director for di digital marketing uh, at the NFB. So basically I managed uh, all um, the, the, um, the, um, the digital platform um, for, the, for the content. So NFB.ca is mainly my, my, my main product. And I work also for the, uh, helping the education team with their online services and other professional uh, other uh, sites that we have at the National Film Board. So basically under me, I'm, I'm in charge of NFB.ca, its content, the social networks team, and also the uh, digital promotion uh, of it. Hmm. So what's the concept behind NFB.ca? So it's a um, concept that it really went from back from 2009, where um, the technology was already uh, like there for, for, the, for the consumer, for the public, for the Canadians to access our collection. And, and, and so basically it was really a matter of accessibility. So we had, we had a choice. Or we kept our films and our, our collections into our vaults and, uh, and keep and, 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 and having the, the, this kind of disconnect between the Canadians and, and our brand because if you look at people that are maybe on a younger, uh, younger generation, they don't have the same contact that I had with the NFB when I was younger at school. You know, we all have a, a memory of the NFB. And also to say, okay, what what are the other way to distribute and be online um, for our new production? Because the NFB is still producing uh, more than 100 production a year. So we wanted to, to find a way. And I think naturally or or strategically, the web was really uh, interesting in, in that matter because it was really the start in 2009, if you remember, where it, it was possible to stream good quality online, not just in really uh, little windows. So that, that's what was mainly it. So we digitized our collection. Um, so and we, we put it on NFB.ca to, to create our online screening room. And we had, a, a, I think, some, in some extent, a really good success with it, not just for nostalgia purposes, where people can still watch a log service waltz and, and the sweater and all those NFB classics, but as well new production and also new way also with um, interactive projects that are specifically designed and, and produced for uh, digital platforms. So what are some of the films you guys have on there? Uh, just give me a sense of the range of what's available to stream through NFB.ca. Well, there's Maybe our, our huge classics are, are there, obviously, because we thought like people were, <laughs> were really asking for them, of course. So we have a, um, a documentary, a lot of documentary, a lot of short animated, and uh, also a lot of experimental films, uh, all the collection from Norman McLaren. Uh, we also have uh, 
um, uh, also have fiction films because before the NFB used to do uh, fiction as well. Uh, so it's a really different uh, kind of range uh, that really illustrates how unique is the NFB um, in Canada, but even in the world if we compare ourselves with, uh, with the rest of the world. So there's, I think, a lot of different things and it's close to 75 years or more than 75 years of film. So we are one of the, it's a well, now we we can say it's like half of the history of of the country, so it's it's pretty um, it's pretty uh, interesting also in terms of history because at the beginning we used to have also a lot of propaganda film, um, and so we can see them now on NFB.ca. Hmm. Um, and you're offering some video on demand services for Canadian films not produced by the National Film Board too, right? Yeah, that's correct. So since. Um, since uh, last year, we launched uh, in, in English, we launched, we partnered with uh, um, First Weekend Club and they, they, they created a brand name, uh, Canada Screen, where uh, we offered the possibility also for other producers or other distributors to have their own, uh, to, have, to, to be able to uh, stream online or to s- sell their, their film online. So that's what we offered to. Uh, to independent producer or even important distributor to to be on NFB.ca and, and to have this possibility to rent, um, mostly rent a film, but we also offer the possibility to have a paid download. It seems like the market is so splintered right now. Like I, I know lots of people who they want to watch a TV show, but they can't even figure out where to watch it, or they've heard of a film, but they can't even figure out where it's online. So if the goal is to get your content out to as many Canadians as possible, why not put the NFB collection on a bigger streaming service like Show Me Your Crave or something? Yeah, well, that's that's um, we're already on other platforms like uh, on YouTube. So on YouTube, since the 2009, we're, we're, we we publish them on YouTube because it's important. Like I would be, uh, you would say, okay, uh, this guy is really not very intelligent because he's, we know that people are are mainly on those sites. How come it's not possible? But it's possible. We we do so. With YouTube, it's easy because we can control our channel. We just launched as well a, a subscription model-based um, a channel on Vimeo, specifically for shorts, so for animated shorts and uh, fiction shorts, uh, not fiction, so documentary shorts, where people can um, see our the latest of our collection. And as well, we do, um, well, after that, when we have you want to be on Show Me or on Crave or Netflix, you, it's a distribution deal. So we do business with those sites and it's possible to see documentary from the NFB on, on, on those sites. We are there. We, we want to be there as well because we thought it's important, as important as being also broadcast on, on TV. And, and we, do, we still do deals with, uh, with, uh, with TV channels. The collection seems more complete on NFB.ca than those other platforms. Yes, uh, well, of course, because it's basically it's our, our content and maybe... Um, maybe these sites they don't want all of the NFB content, you know. Maybe just one film or or two films, three films, because they think, oh, those films will be great for our audience because they know about the audience. And hmm. it seems like you're 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 ten years in the future already. The way that you think, it's it's kind of interesting. Was it hard to uh, like you were involved in a lot of the creation of NFB.ca, right? Was it hard to drag the organization into the future? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it is, but at the same time, it, it's not because it's uh, it's it's um, people, you know, they see at the NFB oh, that's um, 
so it's a public funded um, organization so it must be a lot of like paperwork and people that are not that are maybe uh, they don't think out, outside the box and etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's not the case basically what what the new technologies and the web and and the digitalization of, of the economy help us to to bring back what the NFB was at its essence at the beginning of the NFB. And because there are people that were craftsmen, inventors, uh, you know, if you look at someone like Norman McLaren, they, they invented so many things in cinema, actually. And and that's what we, I'm not saying that we are Norman McLaren now or, or something, but at least we are trying stuff and we are, we are building stuff that no one uh, is building right now. Thanks to you, Mathieu Streliski, for speaking with us. And by the way, the NFB also has apps for most mobile devices. And just the other night, I stayed up watching a really trippy cartoon on their app for Samsung TVs. It was called The Man Who Stole Dreams. And uh, yeah, it definitely gave me some nightmares. <laughs> You're listening to All That Matters. Today, we're asking where you can watch CanCon these days. So for our last story, we wondered, when you make a TV show in Canada, how do you actually get it to a Canadian audi audience? A lot of Canadians aren't aware of how much good Canadian TV programming there is out there. Maybe it's because we're too used to a steady diet of American TV. Or maybe it's just that we don't know how or where to get it. All That Matters correspondent Marie Fontaine caught up with Chief Marketing Officer Jesse Lipscomb of Mosaic Entertainment, an Alberta-based TV production company. And she asked Jesse how the comedy series Delmer and Marta is faring on Canadian airwaves. Yeah, Delmer and Marta is it, it's a show about uh, a small fish in a big pond. Essentially, we have two Aboriginal actors playing Aboriginal characters that uh, came fresh from the res found themselves in the, the small little big city, so it's not really a big city, probably 50,000, uh, and Marta finds herself as one of the anchors on their morning show on television, and so, you know, it's like an unlikely position for uh, a very loving and hilarious couple, very family-friendly show, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's doing very well right now. It's a show that was, I guess, first originated in another show we did called Caution, Make and Pain Nuts which was a sketch comedy, and that was one of the sketches that did very well, uh, and the broadcasters, APTN, liked it so much, they wanted us to expand it into a sitcom, thus we did, and now it's airing, and hopefully people are enjoying it. As a CanCon viewer, uh, where, where do I find the show? You can find the show, uh, well, two places. We do some sneak peeks, because we know a lot of our audience lives uh, in social media, so we definitely release some of our episodes on YouTube. Uh, we'll do that for three different episodes, uh, and but APTN, which is on most everybody's uh, regular cable package, uh, and that's where you can find it. How do you get a show like Delma and Marta out to local audiences? Can you can you walk us through the process? Yeah, I mean, as it you know, as it turns out, the process is different all the time for different shows. I mean, if there was, if it was like here's how to become a doctor, go to school, take this course, this, and that's the way to do it, it. It would be much easier for people in our profession. But unfortunately, there is no one way to success. So for Delmer and Marta, you know, it came from, like I mentioned before, Caution May, May Contain Nuts, which was the first show that Mosaic Entertainment produced, which was a sketch comedy. Edmonton is full of amazing comics, stand-up comedians, and theater actors. So, you know, we had um, that show originated there. And later on, as it turns out with production companies, we try to keep uh, relationships.
relationships with different broadcasters open all the time. They're looking for new content, and so as they were looking for new comedies, they had asked us if we had any more of Delmer and Marta, and we said we could definitely make a show around that. And so we got our writing team together and created, you know, a family-friendly version of the sketch comedy that we had on that and pitched the script to them. They liked the script. They liked the script enough to do a pilot. And so when we did a pilot, it wasn't a green lit for an entire season. We had enough to do a pilot. We put our best foot forward that we could with the budget we had. And after that, it aired on APTN probably three years ago. And then from that point till now, you know, we've been going back and forth trying to find the right person to champion it and uh, to have to believe in it. And, uh, and Tanya at APTN stepped into the position and said, this show really has some legs. and I want to see it uh, come to life. So in the last year and a half, you know, it really breathed, she breathed a lot of life into it. APTN did as well. And along with our, you know, our PR companies and basically getting a lot of attention around the show that we've been struggling for a bit to get. And here it is. So it's kind of ebb and flow. Sometimes, you know, you get some momentum and then it slows down a little bit. But if you have faith in your in your project, you keep pushing, hitting the pavement over and over. Uh, hopefully, if you have something of quality, someone will bite. And as it turns out, they did. What about the audience itself? I mean, how you're in marketing. How big is the audience for Canadian content like this? Well, I mean, it's interesting too, right? Because we talk about Canadian content, uh, and I think we should, you know, be somewhat careful to assume that it's different than just content. Because a long time ago, you say CanCon, and that means a show that looks a little different, a show that might not be produced with as a high a budget, the quality might not be as good, and you might not have stars that people want to see. You know, nowadays, looking at CanCon and looking at any other kind of content, it's hard to see the difference between the two of them. So, how can people see our stuff and the audience? The size of our audience is as big as the size of our, our as our internet. You know, there are there are some things we struggle with. You know, a, sh- a broadcaster like APTN and its reach to hit all demographics. But now that they have jumped on board, um, you know, with their own digital platforms and see the trajectory of the market right now, our audience is as big as our marketing budget or uh, as viral as the campaign that we erect. Yeah. So the show right now is an, it's a national show for sure. And then outside of that. Uh, besides our YouTube sneak peeks, you know, we have relationships with different broadcasters in, uh, and different uh, digital platforms uh, in the States. One of the, some of them have taken Caution May Contain Nuts. Another TV show we have, Tiny Flash Man, is currently airing on Hulu. And so, you know, our first season is happening right now on APTN. But what happens next is we take that and we have a, we have a reputation for providing good quality content in North America. So we'll present that as well uh, to those same platforms and same broadcasters in the States and try and get more and more uh, attention for this show. It's fun, right, because it's a niche show, but sometimes, you know, niche shows, they often have a, a really wide audience, you know, whether that be something like a, a Portlandia or whether it's a corner gas. A lot of people can identify with some of the uh, real-life characters that we portray. And what about in other countries, like, where English is spoken, sort of UK, Australia? Yeah, that's right. So usually, you know, what, what the rollout usually looks like is, you know, we start locally, uh, then we, you know, we go national, we go international, and then after that, Uh, English-speaking countries are the next. And then uh, some of them, you know, comedy is a little special because the same things that are funny to uh, Canada and North and United States might not be the same humor that happens in the UK or might not be the same humor that happens in other English-speaking countries. Always uh, understanding what your audience is and what you're creating. And the more we do this, the more we find out what other demographics and other nations and other places like. You know, it's always a little bit of throwing spaghetti on the wall and see which one sticks. Uh, it's not a science yet, but we're getting better at it. The last question then for you, what's the future look like for this kind of entertainment? That We always have a digital component 
to our show. Uh, one of those things is it helps with budgets, but also it helps with the audience. You know, a, a traditional broadcaster's audience is not always the same as where we can reach uh, online, whether that's Vimeo or YouTube or bloggers or whatever the case is. So we always want to have a piece of digital that always drives people back to the to the show, um, whether that's on broadcast or whether that's on you know on demand. So the future of this show, of course, is you know continually getting some attention on it, continually providing new content. We always assume we'll have another season. We write stuff and uh, with, with that assumption so that we can always continue the story arc. Um, but regardless, if we have a next season of Delmar and Marta, we're already on the season five of Tiny Plastic Man and a number of our features that we're shooting this summer, we will always continue to hit it from many different avenues. They, the coin term used to be transmedia. But at, at the end of the day, we're talking about screen-based entertainment. People watch them on their phone, on their computer, on their TV, whether it's a cable package or whether it's an internet package. And uh, wherever people are watching media, we'll be creating it for them in the most innovative way we possibly can. It's something we're very passionate about. Thanks to Jesse Lipscomb for talking to us today about how comedy shows like Delmer and Marta are promoted and distributed in Canada. We hope we've sparked your interest and that you'll have a peek in an episode or two on the APTN website. That's at aptn.ca. And fun fact, music in that piece was by Marie Fontaine, who also reported that story. So listeners, where do you watch CanCon? What are the best places you've found to watch Canadian film and TV? Let us know at allthatmatters at cjsr.com. In the meantime, though... It's time for us to go. All That Matters is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton. Thanks to Marie Fontaine for reporting this week. If you have any questions about the show or ideas, email us at allthatmatters at cjsr.com. You can find past episodes of our show on iTunes and on our website, allthatmatterscjsr.wordpress.com. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter. We're at... We're at... ATMCJSR. Our theme music is by Takashi Teru. Additional music today by Satori, Marie Fontaine, and this song by the lovely McGarrigal sisters. I'm Chris Chang in Phillips. And I'm Paulina Volodovsky. Thanks for listening. She'll say I'm not sure that it's business of yours, but I do like to waltz with a